You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast. Everybody, this is episode 230 of the Black Eagles podcast, and that's right, I am your host, Sinan Schwarting, live from New York City, where, of course, I return. Uh, The weather is nice over here, perhaps a little too warm, even, getting a little sweaty out in these streets. That's relevant. That's metaphorical as well, as always. Gotta make the link. And of course, I'll just explain the metaphor this time around, because things are getting a little hot and heavy. Our season is finished. Everyone knows that. And of course, I'll talk about our final match with this final match day episode. We're gonna talk about the match against Konya Spore, of course. But with the end of this season, things get rather intense in a way that we haven't really seen before. Surely not for this administration. The pressure is absolutely on. We have a coach who has his system, who has certain types of players he's looking for, a list of guys he wants, um, their ability to get the right players, and it might require some getting lucky, like the season before last, the summer before last. We got Rashid Gazal and Rosier and all them. We might need that kind of luck to get to where we need to, given our financial constraints. But so this summer, they have to make it happen. I think everyone's looking for them to do so, so it should be an interesting one. I really feel that. Um, but first, let's talk about this match, right? Before we even go there. Operation is in effect as of right now. That's right. Begin. So, before we even talk about so I mean, it's going to be a crazy summer, like I was just alluding to. Um, and, and much of the pressure is going to be on the board, the management, to get the right players in. Um, again, Ismail, we know what he wants. He knows what we, what he wants, rather. We maybe don't, actually. But, you know, the pressure's on this board for him to have success. And in order for him to do so, he certainly needs the right personnel. We can talk, we can talk about exactly what that is. Certainly we need Probably two strikers, at least, right? If we were, if we keep Guven Yalchin, he's our third striker slash wing option, right? Which means we need two more, the, the first and second options. Bachuay, we can assume, is gone. Kyle Laren, who isn't even necessarily a striker at this point, very likely gone. But so even if he were to resign, he would be the backup, right, given the lack of success he had this season until maybe just the very end, right? Showed a little energy late to give this uh, Valerian Ismail pause. Maybe we need to keep him around, but we'll talk about what happened in this last match. It didn't 
maybe help his cause, I suppose we could argue. I don't think that's much of a spoiler. Kyle Aaron didn't have a have much of a match to speak of. But so, yeah. With that said, there is a bit of news, right? We're, we're finally getting some news vis-a-vis transfers. We know that we need two strikers, as I said. We need a winger, right? Behind Nkudu, right? Our backup left winger was either um, Kyle Laren, often at times, maybe Guven Yalchin, all of which speaks to the fact that we didn't really have a natural left winger behind Nkudu. And with Nkudu so often injured, that proved to be a major detriment. There's an ambulance, just as we talk about Nkudu's <laughs> recurring injuries, naturally. But so, yeah, we're gonna need a left wing, no doubt about that. Certainly at least a backup, if not a, a, a double, a duo. But I think we could even make the argument we need a backup on the right side as well. Rashid Ghazal never really got much of a spell as far as, as, far as resting goes. Perhaps Aydin Hasic is still around as, as a backup on the left or right side. Slash, you know, in that 10 role, he can also function. We don't know if, in fact, um, he is going to be around. The, the latest is that he will be given a chance in training camp to prove to Valerian Ismail uh, if he has what it takes or not. And that will mean a real shift in mentality for everyone who wants to prove their worth to him, right? He's going to want to ask for peak fitness, lots of effort. <clears throat> so think that if you want to win them over, you just gotta you gotta work hard. That's what that, that's you know first and foremost, obviously performance is another thing entirely, but so at least one winger. The center of the midfield is covered, right? We've got Jetson Fernandes coming in. We still have Joseph de Souza, we still have of course Emirhan Ilkan. I think we might use the option on John Bozdoan. Of course, we don't quite know yet if that's the case. Plenty of options in the center of the midfield still. Sali Uchan will be returning. I don't imagine with his uh, reported work ethic he will impress Valerian Ismail, but we'll see. Who knows? Who knows? Remember the family man year that Kyle Aaron had? Maybe Sali Uchan will have a, <laughs> have a family that will spur him on. <laughs> a child, I don't know if he has one yet, maybe another child. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe a central midfielder to, bolst to bolster that unit, but I think certainly we have starters cleared in the way of Jedson, Joseph de Souza, maybe Emirhan, right? He, he kind of earned a look in there. So we'll see about that. Um, fullbacks were probably clear uh, as far as like replacing Vidvan goes. Obviously, uh, Umut Medash would sort of be de facto the, the starter there. Perhaps they look for a, another backup or they call someone up. I think Ahmed Kulai might be returning from Alanya from his loan spell, perhaps. You know, Ahmed G, as we call them around here. Uh, we'll see, you know, lots of options perhaps, um, there again could be a need. Uh, on the right side, of course, we've got Alain Rosier for the foreseeable future. 
Um, Kerem Caliphate as a backup. Perhaps we look for a, a backup for him as well. Um, I, it would appear, anyhow, that Valerie Ismail has not approved of Kerem Caliphate. He's played Kenan Karaman there, and he would be the starter, which we'll get to in a moment in our final match. But so, Kenan Karaman is at this point just a utility guy who could play anywhere on the wing. Maybe even up front, he's he's a third striker that might n like negate the need for us to re-sign Guven Yalchin, right? If he's asking for too much, obviously I'm not a fan of him as our third striker. We'll talk about why later on, just because it relates to this match. But so yeah, that's just about it for everything except for the back. Now in the back, of course, goalkeeper. We've spoken about how we have now Amade Bilkin. He'd play again in this match. Uh, and without spoiling too much, you know, good enough at the very least. Uh, as far as, like, I think he would be competing with Mert Gunok, right, for that for that starter role. Mert would be the... I think Mert Gunok would be the favorite for it. And this is, of course, assuming that Ersin Destanolu leaves. Uh, perhaps he sticks around for another year, and, and hopefully that would give us a chance to up his value, assuming he played well next season, were he to stick around. Of course, that's all up in the air relatively, but we're, I think, for the most part, covered there. Uh, perhaps, if Ersinen goes, we might look for something else, but with foreign spots and all that, you know, you'd, you'd expect us to maybe stick with our two Turks that we have there. And what that leaves us with is the back line. Domagosvita's definitely gone. That's the latest, which leaves us with Montero, Serdar Sachi, Wellington, Nejib, right? This time around, Wellington was out, still, uh, I think, injured. And so, I mean, it's, it's something minor. Perhaps it's not even really that. They're just looking at the options they have. But so, yeah, we started this match with Nejib, Serdar, and Montero. But clearly, we'll need some. We'll need to bolster that unit. At the very least, we'll need to round it out with with Domagosvita leading, leaving. Um, we only have the four guys. Uh, Wellington. I'm not entirely sure. I think he has one more year on his contract. I'm pretty sure he does. So we'll need one or two guys for depth. Ideally, one of the one of the guys we were to bring in would be good enough to be our new best defender. Domagos Vida was that, in theory. It didn't always pan out that way. He had a bit of a rough season in this, his last one with Besiktas. Um, he would get a bit of a tribute at the end of the match. Befitting, he's had a long career with us. Won some silverware, even. So, and I'm not sure he qualifies as a club legend, per se. I'm very sparing with that. In, in this era, I would say, Quaresma and Atiba. You know, for me, a legend is someone who could theoretically get like a statue in front of a stadium someday. And there are very few guys that I think really spent enough time with us and played at a high enough caliber for long enough to merit that. Uh, so for me, it's probably just Quaresma and of course Atiba Hutchinson. And in this era, I could go on to the previous one, which I saw a bit of being old enough, but I'm off topic as it is. Let's stick with just. I'm going to round out my discussion of this offseason as we're going into it now. So yeah, that back line. 
that's that's really the big question mark i think we need one or two guys ideally two maybe even two starters that you'd play like i like i i think probably you have wellington montero as default guys maybe serdar if we need another turk out there right um, but so we'll need a third, and ideally that third again will be stronger than either one of those. Um, see how that pans out, right? So those are the big holes that we need to fill. And I guess obviously you start with the strikers since we need two, and that was a huge hole in our team this year. You could say the reason we didn't succeed. Like Rashid Gazal should have had, you know, a record-breaking assist tally, and instead he had kind of a subpar year in that regard and that's in large part because guys were not putting the ball in the back of the net when they, when he was laying it on a platter for them so that was obviously uh, th that's going to be a priority and so let's talk about the, the the rumors that have come in obviously with with Sorloff that's still hanging around there's competition right Fenner wants him Trabzon in theory might want him although they might be squared frankly uh, but so the question is, is can we afford him? You know, can we, are, you know, are our rivals going to be willing to pay more? He wants three and a half million per year. Supposedly we wanted to pay two and a half million. Um, from that, I mean, that was like a week or so ago. I imagine he's asked for more and maybe they've negotiated or he's keeping his foot in the, in the ground here and saying, nope, I'm getting 3.5 because I'm sure one of these idiots will pay it. I mean, I don't know if that's idiocy. He's certainly a, uh, a talent, right? And a proven talent in the Super League. So he's obviously target number one. He's also apparently target number one for a number of sides. And he's asking for a lot. The second option we're looking at, and he could be the backup, right? You could theoretically be going for both of these guys, is Adam, Adam, Adam? Adam Buksa. He's a 25-year-old Polish striker. He now currently plays for the New England Revolution. Um, and in 10 matches, he scored seven goals in this season. So, um, you know, he's, he's on fire, so to speak. That's a good tally. Uh, whether that's, uh, you know, consistent with his entire career's outing output, I don't know. If he were to be signed, obviously we'd have someone come on who could really inform us about the guy. But I don't really want to waste too much time if if this is just you know us getting leverage to, for negotiating with other with our ideal guy or whatever it is. You know, lately they've been pulling out guys that from from the frame that we had no idea they were looking at. So um, the fact that he's in the tabloids is almost a bad sign for Buxa in that sense. We'll see. Um, the other guy, of course, is Jakob Ondrejka who is, it sounds like a Polish name, but apparently he's Swedish, in fact. He's 19 years old, from IF Elfsborg, uh, Swedish side over there. He's a winger, so he would fit that backup winger role, I would imagine, behind. He plays both right and left, I think, predominantly on the left. So he would be the backup for either Rashid Gazal or Nkuru. And, I mean, he can maybe be either. So that's nice, perhaps. Uh, and he's only 19, so that fits the description of what Ahmed Nurchebi was saying as far as like looking for guys that you could develop uh, 
not necessarily like established names or anything like that. I think they're trying to be more prudent in that regard, which I applaud. I'm this board, I mean, as all boards tend to, um, has plenty of flaws, but in that regard, you know, that's, that's not what I have an issue with by any stretch. But so yeah, those are the real rumors so far. Um, some interesting names. None of them particularly old, right? Buxa, 25 years old. Andrezka, only 19. Uh, and both fill needs. Um, Sorloth would obviously be striker number one, the starter. Uh, whether I mean, that might mean we'd need a Turk for the second one. And supposedly Cenk Tosun, there's talk of him. Perhaps, you know, he's, he's open to a return to Turkey, he said in interviews. And of course, Burak Yilmaz has left France. Is open for a kind of retirement campaign, I suppose, in Turkey. I think, uh, but n- neither one of them strikes me as a starter. At the very least, just given their health situations and you know, perhaps their inability to stay healthy for an entire year. Even getting both of them, you'd risk both of them being injured at the same time. They're that injury plagued. So, all of that said, plenty to stew on. Obviously, um, I think ideally you have a foreigner and a Turk as the two strikers because of the, the rule regarding foreigners and the fact that we have a number of foreigners as is. Although that said, a number of guys outgoing, so who knows. Now, let's talk about our final match of the season against Konyaspor. Uh, and Konyaspor, of course, is a side that's been really strong all year. Credit to them, right? Like, they've had a fantastic season. They've been up in first or second for much of the season. Not not first, I don't even know if that's true. Maybe for a minute in the beginning, but um, largely they've been in second place for much of the season. Uh, Fener passed them in recent weeks. They did have a bit of a, a struggle for form, right? Going into, well, let's just, their last five matches, right? They had a real chance at finishing out the season in second place. They had slipped in their previous match against Rize on the road. Rize at that point were still fighting to stay up. So going into the last five matches, they needed to, to recover from that. They'd lost to Fener not long prior as well, um, which allowed Fener to catch up. They were still behind at that point. But so they need to close out the season well. And so they, they started out well at home against Gaziantep. They beat them 4-1. to one. Um, on the road against Yanni Malatia, who were absolutely done and dusted by then, they won two to three. But then, at home against Fatih Karakumruk, who made a late push this season, uh, credit to them, they, they, they almost surpassed us, in fact, in the standing. Uh, they lost to Fatih Karakumruk, one to two at home. And then they lost to another hot team late in the year, Antalya, three to two on the road. But so they'd come home against Hatay, beat them three to one. Hatay are also a fairly good team this season, though they fell apart late in the year. And so, yeah, they were on the uptick in that sense, form-wise, although <clears throat> kind of desperate. They needed to win and have Fener lose in their last match day to be level with them on points would be asking a bit too much, you would think. Um, that said, uh, Fener would be playing the same day, at the same time, against Yanni Malatya. 
Um, so it would be, you know, they'd be checking that score, right? They'd hope Fenner would be losing. And I'll just cut to the chase beforehand. Fenner won their match zero or nil to five on the road. Um, the goals didn't come until, didn't start coming rather until the 32nd minute. So for a while there, it seemed like, oh, you know, maybe this is going to happen for us if they could have won against us and Fenner lost. In the end, it was not to be. And so, let's let's cut to the to our match then, right? That's the form of Konya. Uh, with that said, I guess it's probably worth mentioning our head-to-head. And I guess let's first of all go back to our last match this season. It was in December. Um, Under Caravelli was in charge by then already. And, um, yeah, it didn't go well. We lost one to nil. At this point, they were quite hot, still atop the table or, or in second, I think. Yeah, they beat us one nil. It was just a goal by, um, who was it? Ahmed Hassan in the 90th minute. So, a, a rather close run affair. We, we held our own, in fact. We had more shots on target. Same amount of shots in general. We had more possession of the ball. So I think at that point we were still willing to give Undia Caravelli the benefit of the doubt. It was a pretty solid outing from us. Uh, in the cup, we beat them uh, on penalties after drawing them one-to-one. That was actually last season in our last competitive match going into this season. And then last season, we split the series. We split the tie. They beat us at home, four to one. Konya is always a tough place to go to. They have very um, vociferous fan base, we'll say, to be politically correct. Um, rambunctious would be slightly less. Uh, but yeah, and then we beat them at home in the second half of the season. So that was the the formula, the pattern, right? We we lost them again in Konya in the first half of the season, and we'd hope to theoretically beat them to close out the season at home. Although again, they have much more to play for. They could actually theoretically be in second and we are out of things because <clears throat> because Alanya lost in the cup and it's Sivas against Kaiseri to, to, for, for the Europa League spot. Uh, fifth place is no longer available. Um, or rather, that's no, not even because of Alanya, it was because of, of Trabzon losing even before then. Excuse me, a little brain fart there, but but so yeah, um, Nothing for us to play for. No spot in Europe. That was already guaranteed. Whereas, for Konya, a spot in the Champions League potentially to play for. So, us getting this result might be a tough one, you would assume. So, let's talk about who would play in this match. For us, a lot of changes. And again, like when we look at the performance of our team under Valerian Ismail, it's worth thinking about this, right? He's played with a squad like this for most of his tenure with... with most of the, the expected starters throughout the season, the guys we brought in who were supposed to bring us success, benched because they're likely on their way back out, on their way back home in some cases. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's been playing with a lesser batch of players this whole time and still put up pretty decent results. So let's see what he had at his disposal this time. Again, the goal, Emre Bilgin. On the back line, Serdar Sachi, Najib Uysal, and 
Montero, Francisco Montero, Javi Montero. Uh, on the wing backs, Umut Meraj and <coughs> again, Kenan Karaman. Um, I guess Kedem Kalafat again, not in his worldview. Um, <coughs> uh, up front, it would be Rashid Ghazal and Nkuru on the wings with Kyle Lahren up front. But often it would actually look more like Rashid Ghazal playing behind Nkuru and Lahren, which I thought was interesting. He's fit more of a kind of number 10 bill under Valeria Ismail, which suits him in some ways, although obviously he's fantastic distributing the ball on crosses and on long balls, so I mean, you know, even as such, he'll flare out and do that a lot. For our opposition, Ibrahim Sehic, 33-year-old Bosnian goalkeeper, manning their goal uh, behind Adil Demirbay, 24-year-old Turk, and Urjan Yazgeli, 23-year-old Turk, no Abdul Kerim Bardakshi, which, you know, cue the rumors, is he coming to our team? Barish Yardimji, 29-year-old Turk on the right back, opposite Guillerme, 32-year-old Brazilian left back. Soner Dikmen, 28-year-old Turk, alongside Amir Hadziametovic, 25-year-old Bosnian, kind of in the back of their midfield behind Amar Rahmanovic, 28-year-old number 10. On their wings, Konrad Michalak, 24-year-old, rather, 24-year-old Polish winger. Something of a prospect, I suppose. Th uh, opposite, Hamilton, 32-year-old Brazilian winger. And all of them playing behind Sokol Sikaleshi, the 31-year-old Albanian striker. And so yeah, lots of familiar names for anyone who follows the Super League the extent that, uh, well, you probably do, given that you're listening to a Besiktas podcast right now. <laughs> but so, yeah, let's just talk about this match, shall we? First action, a yellow card for Serdar Sachi in the 15th minute. Then, a yellow card for Sokol Sikaleshi in the 18th minute. In the 33rd minute, the first, what would appear to be real action on a really poor, risky back pass from Montero. Uh, but, uh, and I think it was Sikileshi who, who gets onto it, but Emre Bilgin does really well to clear it. Um, not a save, technically, because I don't think Sikileshi gets onto the ball in the end. Um, just astute, heads up defending by our young keeper. Um, but a, a sort of hiccup from Montero, who, who would actually come around and have a very solid game all in all on the back line. The first goal would then be the next action, a very slow first half. Like I said, only one real highlight so far, if you, if you can call it that. In the 40th minute, however, on a counter, Kyle Lahren would lose the ball carelessly and it would result in a long ball getting flipped up to their left wing on our right wing side. And so for the first half, by the way, this was their tactic. They were just attacking Kenan Karaman and his inexperience in that position. Credit Ilhan Palut, their, their, uh, their manager, who's had a great season, as I've mentioned already. And he seems to know what he's talking about. He seems to know what he's doing. Um, it was a weakness, and sure enough, on this play, Kenan Karaman sleeping, did not come back. It finds Michalak, who um, does well running with the ball, easily gets by Domagos Vida, who's scrambling to cover for Kenan Karaman, who never really shows up. The, 
the perfect cross from Mishalak to the back post would be uh, would find Amar Rahmanovic, who made an interesting run from deep, kind of late, you know, almost as if he was a right back rather than a number ten. But he would get onto the other end of it, um, and in this case, Umut Merash sleeping on the recovery. And in fact, I mean, he's sort of passively covering someone who runs centrally, and then gets caught ball watching instead of covering the next man up, essentially, which should have been Amar Rahmanovic, who makes this late run that I mentioned. And the result is Rahmanovic basically scores unbothered. Completely unbothered, you could make the argument. But so, yeah, there it is. A goal for them that nobody wants to see. <laughs> and we're losing in our season finale, nil to one in the first half. They'd get a yellow card at the end of the first half, uh, Ibrahim Sehic. I don't recall why. But that would be it. Down one, nil to one, at home. Again, they have more to play for. You understand it. But at this point now, Fener has taken the lead in their match, and so uh, it won't really matter if Konya wins. Still, it's only one nil. I think it's in the second half that Fener scores four more goals. But in the second half, so first of all, we'll talk about some subs. Ahmed Hassan would come on to come into the match for Sokol Sikileshi. Uh, again, he's the guy who scored against us in our first match. The game winner late to steal it from us. They'd be hoping for more of the same, right? Uh, and sure enough, right out of the gates, uh, Michelak down the, the left side again. Really well done with his feet. Gets into space, dribbles Nejip, who I don't know what he's doing there defensively. Um, not astute stuff from him, and a generally pretty solid outing from him, I will say. Um, and he gets into a one-on-one -on -one position and fantastic save either by Emre or Montero who comes diving in. I'm not entirely clear on this. I think it might go to Montero because uh, statistically Emre Bigan did not have a, a particularly solid outing. And I think that means that he wasn't credited with, for example, that save, which would have been a huge one, one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, but so yeah, we um, do well there defensively. Uh, after not doing well, you could say. 55th minute, uh, a really nice through ball into the path of Amar Rahmanovic, who runs just pretty much straight down the middle, unbothered, and out of nowhere. And, and Montero is notoriously slow as a central defender, and he comes out of nowhere racing in and makes a really fantastic diving, stretching tackle to cut out their attack in what would have been a one on one, and just really. Fantastic defending from the kid. Montero is really flashy in that way where he will do some stuff that makes you think wow this kid is Potentially a really fantastic central defender and then he'll do some really dumb things like the back pass that almost resulted in a goal for Sikileshi in the first half, so he's hit or miss we could say um, They would bring in Boljan Ulgun for Parish Yardimchi on the right side We would bring on Mishibachuai for Georges Cavan and Kudu, who had a pretty poor outing, bit of a ghosting. Although, to be fair, they just weren't getting much action. No nothing was coming up their way in the attack. Laren would come off for Guven Yalchin. And John Bozduan, who had a pretty poor outing, would come off for Atiba Hutchinson. Uh, although that was actually eight minutes later. And just prior to that, Nedjip 
would really make a fantastic tackle coming up from the back, slicing the ball up from Ahmed Hassan and tackling it kind of into the path of Michi Bachuay, who would make a real interesting run, a little zigzag, you know, step over and then take a shot that would require a pretty solid save from Sehich. You know, he had to get down. It wasn't exactly like a diving save. I mean, he did technically dive, although more like falling, right? Uh, but so yeah, Bachuay forces a, a decent save right out of the gates for him. Then Atiba would come on. Then, Endri Chekiji would enter the match for Amar Rahmanovic, their goal scorer. Zimer Bitki would come on for Amilton in the 71st minute, both of those subs. In the 79th minute, a yellow for Rashid Ghezal. He was furious, complaining about really poor refereeing, as, as is, you know, the rule, honestly, against Besiktas. In the 80th minute, yellow for Montero. Don't recall why, honestly. 82nd minute, Alex Teixeira would come on for Umut Merash. We're going on the offensive here. Perhaps switching to four men back, interestingly. Um, and so what happens is, uh, in the 82nd minute, Montero running up along the left side of the defense. And in fact, I think it was Nejib who took left back in the four-man back line. But Montero did really well here. Slides the ball up along the, the, the sideline to Rashid Gizal, who does incredibly well to run up up the sideline and cut in, finding Guven Yalchin in the middle, right above the penalty box. And he would just take a kind of one-touch volley, sending it just wide of the post. Uh, and this is where we would, you know, from basically when Bachuai would come on, interestingly, uh, we would suddenly be much more aggressive. Also, in, in part, it's also, you know, we have 30 minutes, 25 to 30 minutes left of a, of a season, and this is our chance to score a goal and, and leave things on a positive note, right? And for a lot of guys who know they're going, especially especially like Bachuai, who really tried hard and just couldn't, couldn't get it done for the most part, you know, I think he will want to uh, leave on a higher note than, than what the season offered him. But so yeah, um, 85th minute, yellow card for Ahmed Hassan would just come on. 87th minute, Albert Koch would come on for Konrad Michalak, who'd been basically tearing us up. 88th minute, Rashid Gazal, a fantastic run kind of along the left side. And so he's in this 10 roll and just running wherever he can. At this point, he's trying to will us a goal. He's playing really well. Maybe not like the most precise technical performance of his life, but he's just taking the team on his shoulders, doing everything he can, and he dribbles like six or seven guys, sends in a little cross that's headed out for a corner, sends in a corner perfectly to Mishi Batshuayi, whose header caroms off the post, and then drops to us, and then we kind of almost get another chance and then lose it. And it's almost the perfect way to take out the season. Uh, Batshuayi coming very close, probably earning a goal and not getting it. And so you think, oh, there we go. Well, that's it. We're losing this one. But in the first minute of extra time, and really just not even, like in the 90th minute, a corner kick. Rashid Ghazal finds Kenan Karaman just absolutely perfectly. The ball, it's like a knuckler, goes up and then drops down perfectly to the head of Kenan Karaman. He's like right in the center of, right at the penalty spot almost. Um, just with, uh, he put it anywhere, he just sort of slams it home, 
kind of straight but hard and the keeper's not getting anything on it and we have a goal Kenan Karaman his second of the season in the final match day <laughs> uh, and I, I'll say I, I I was skeptical of him from what he did with the national team he seemed like more of an engine than you know, a guy you'd really want to rely on for anything technical finishing or anything like that but with that said I thought he showed enough to be like a 10 goal guy and if Maybe if things went really well for the side and things were really clicking, you know, at some point. We found our, our, our peak form like we had the season prior. Maybe he'd even get like 10 to 15 goals, right? But no, he had two goals. Scoring the second on the final match day. Dos. Dos equis. Whew. Yeah, not, not an ideal outing for him this season. No, no doubt. But it's a hell of a way to end it. We go level one to one, and uh, Rashid Ghazal with the assist. He deserved so many this season, and he would end with not so many, but that would be it. In the second minute, we almost get another one. Uh, second minute, second minute of extra time, rather. Rashid Ghazal from deep sends in a perfect long ball again to the head of Kenan Karaman. He heads it down and kind of weakly, easily saved by Sehij, but that would uh, almost be the one that would that give us a lovely win but we might have even deserved it in the end we, we we got quite a few chances late really made them hold out for that final victory for that for that final point for that one one draw and i'll talk about the stats now just to, to sort of hammer that point home and so first of all what really makes the point that perhaps we'd ended up even earning three points out of this rather than the one is that forget all right 55 or 54 percent of the ball to their 46 that doesn't always tell a full story but 21 shots we ended up with to their 12 only five on target so a lot of them it's rather in vain you could say they only had one shot on target uh, and one goal so i mean that's also perhaps fitting for our final match of the season just as a reminder of what would always tend to happen. <laughs> we, we would never like get that one nil victory, would we? We'd always collapse somehow. But I guess in this this case, at least we kind of clawed back and got it, earned it, rather than succumbing. This ref, Sarper Barish Saka, was just, I mean, the usual miserable, I suppose, right? Uh, but so yeah, they don't have one shot on target, but they would have three big chances to our two. And they would miss two of those big chances, rather than the one that we missed. We had 331 passes, which is a, a step up from our usual in the Ismail era, era, era. Um, versus their 267 passes completed. We completed them at a 79% rate to their 75%. We committed 19 fouls to their 11, which is a testament to the poor refereeing. I will add, we were both called offsides twice. Again, we had five shots on target to their one, six off target to their nine. We've each hit the woodwork once. We have, no, we each, period. Um, each had 10 shots inside the box, but we had 11 shots outside of the box to their two. So, you know, fairly even stuff though. Again, I think we would have had the edge in a vacuum, on paper, right? I mean, the, the eye test, the heart, 
Eye and heart test, I think you could say Konya probably earned a point, maybe even earned a win with how much better they looked initially. Although, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I actually disagree. I think we really looked, especially late on, like we needed to score. We were really pressing for it. I mean, maybe just for like 10 minutes at the end there in particular, but no, I, I guess more like 25 minutes from there, from like Bachuay, like I said, he had that nice shot saved about the 65th minute. So yeah, whatever, you know, it is what it is. Perhaps we'll call it a, 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 a earned draw for both sides. Now statistically is where things get kind of fun. And I, I put out a poll as I had been doing these last few weeks for who you folks thought was man of the match. Uh, and before I reveal the results and who I offered up as options for you to vote for, the top guys, right, rated above seven here in my little app, anyhow, so it's, it is what it is, but the top performer would be Rashid Ghazal, followed by Kenan Karaman, Nejib Uysal, Amir Hadziametovic, Amar Rahmanovic, Guillerme Francisco Montero, Emirhan Ilkan, Adil Demirbay, Sonir Dikmen, Ahmed Hassan, who's a second half sub, so that's surprising me, and then Konrad Michalak. Um, Umut Merash, just under the seven mark at a 6.98. But so yeah, 12 guys rated above seven. Two, three, four, five of them Besiktas players. Seven of them Konya players. Um, but, Many of their best players defensive, many of our best players attacking. So, um, you know, lots of stories told by the stats. Let's talk about Rashid Ghazal's stats. He played a full 90 minutes, he had the assist. Uh, like I say, he was willing us to that late, late goal. And you can tell he was hungry. He wanted to leave the season on a, on a high note. He had four shots, um, 38 out of 53 passes accurate. He created eight chances, two big ones. Both of his shots were on target. He blocked two shots. He had 88 touches. Three for three with his dribbles, 100% right there. Um, his crosses, five of 11, and long balls, 0 for two, which is why his overall passing accuracy was lower than you might hope for. But it also speaks to the fact he was going for it, right? Trying long balls, trying to break through their defense. He took six corners, right? Um, two for two on his tackles, six recoveries. He was even coming back. Uh, yeah, really a fantastic outing from him. 88 touches in this in this um, formation for us is, is actually quite something. Kenan Karaman, I think he was rated highly, especially for the fact that he scored a goal. Right, he was he took three shots, um, two of them on target, one of them blocked. Passes 17 of 25 at a 68 percent rate. Although remember he's, he's playing as a wing back, so perhaps. I mean, he's only 0 for 1 on crosses, so that's not really an excuse. He just didn't have a good day of passing. Uh, 66 touches, which is all right, honestly. 1 for 1 on his dribbles, 4 of 6 with his tackles. So he was getting involved in tackles. As a, as a wing back, you might actually want him to get involved more. He was 8 of 13 on ground duels 1 and 3 of 4 on aerial duels. So in that sense, at least he was you know, getting mixed in. Certainly not like the worst player on the pitch. Uh, and that says something given he was out of, way out of position. Uh, then next up, Nejib Uysal, um, 90 minutes played, 
85% passing, 46 of 54, right? Created three chances, which is interesting. 10 recoveries, 65 touches. Um, he came forward and made a great tackle earlier in the match. Montero also a great outing, 90 minutes played. Um, 45 of 57 with his uh, passing at a 79% rate, but he was three of nine with long balls, one of two with his crosses. So he was um, taking risks with long, long balls. He had 73 touches, which is pretty phenomenal, actually. Three of four ground duels, two of five aerial duels. Um, but a lot of that was sort of desperate, coming back, like giving it his all. Seven recoveries, three clearances. So yeah, a really good outing from him. Um, and, and then there's Emir Han. I mean, I won't go too far into his numbers or anything like that. He played a full 90, though. Credit to him there. 82% passing. Um, 23 of 28, right? Only 44 touches, so you know, not the most involved. But not bad is what we can say for the kid. And that's, you know, he had a not great outing and still good statistics. Get very involved, so you like that. You know, he was a little bit lacking in his touch but still managed to show something. Um, the, the disappointment was perhaps Serdar Sachi this week. We could perhaps all agree. So again, I put it to you folks, you know, who did you have as our man of the match? And of course, there's still more time for the vote to come in for anyone who wants to vote. Um, it's, it's there for anyone who, who has access to my Twitter page. Again, it's at Sir underscore rights underscore a lot. Uh, and so yeah, I put it up that you could vote for Rashid Ghazal, Kenan Karaman, right, assist and a goal scorer there, and then Montero or Nejip, or and I wrote Nejip slash other, giving folks the chance to vote for someone else if they want to write the name in. And uh, if you don't write the name in, I assume you're voting for Nejip or you know the guy, the guy that I, I mentioned. And so Rashid Ghazal, clear cut men of the match winner, vis-a-vis the fan vote. Um, 65 votes, pretty decent amount, uh, given that I'm, you know, only a day in here. Uh, but yeah, 62% of the votes go to Rashid Gazelle, 25% to Kenan Karaman, 8% to Nejip, and 6% to Francisco Montero. And that is in fact the same order of, you know, their ratings, according to my app. So, a bit of cohesion in that regard. I'm definitely going to go with you folks, as far as giving it to Rashid Gazelle. As much as it would be fun to give it to Kenan Karaman, just um, given how terrible the season was, uh, and yet, right, there he was, scoring our final goal. Um, and a fun one even, right, because it was our, our last outing of the season and all that. Still, I'm giving it to Rashid Gazal, because he, he, he's the one who really gave us that goal. He willed it into existence. Uh, and he really gave it his all this match. One of few guys who had done so. And this match, spoke to our problem this season, right? Like, so many guys were just not into it. You could tell, probably knew they weren't gonna be on the team next season, or, you know, were ready to go on vacation regardless. Uh, so for the few guys who were out there fighting their butts off, credit to them. And Rashid Ghazal, for me, is, is foremost on that list. You know, Atiba came out and played really nice. It's a good, solid effort. Well, yet again, right? He's really, you know, he started out a little bit slow, perhaps fatigued from all the extra football with the national side and all that, but then you know, really came into form and was a value, valued contributor for much of the season. So yeah, lots of great performances. I'm not gonna do my like player of the season 
or match of the season, right? That's it. We'll, we'll do like a whole season review episode, maybe even a few, right? Now that we're out of matches to talk about. But so yeah, I mean that's that's it, right? Obviously, it's a it's a fairly terrible season for the most part. Let's talk about the standings, right? One last time. Um, so we're all done, and I waited for the, for the final match match day for that very reason. Trabs on the winner at 81 points. Fenner second place with 73 points, so they'd end the season eight points behind. Konya in third place with 68 points. They finished five points behind Fener. So remember now, if Fener had lost and Konya had won, they would have finished one point above Fener, uh, relegating Fener to Conference League. Instead, it's Konya going to Conference League, Fener going to the second qualifying round of the Champions League, I believe. Fourth place was Bashaksha here with 65 points. They end actually only three points behind Konya. In fifth place, Alanya score with 64 points, just one point behind Bashakshir. They could have passed Bashakshir had Bashakshir not defeated Trabzon 3-1 on the final match day. Trabzon score really finished this season quite terribly, um, limping to the finish line, but they had done enough earlier on in the year that it didn't quite matter in the end. Uh, and so then in sixth place was us. Besiktas with 59 points, 15 wins, 14 draws, and 9 losses. Badalhan Ismail would contribute 3 wins, 4 draws, and 1 loss, um, despite playing pretty good sides in these last matches, with a lot to play for, all of them. Konya, Fenerbahce, Trabzon, right? Girasun, when we played them, they were playing for for everything, you know, playing with everything on the line. We beat Alanya, who was in a, you know, again, in a scrum. They, they finished ahead of us on the year. Uh, we only lost to Kasim Pasha, who were hot late. You know, Umut Bozak, Bozok, uh, Jackson, Mukela, right? They, they had, they came on late on the late in the year, no doubt. With Kaiseri, who who's running, who's in the running for the cup in the end. You know, they had a sort of middling season, to be fair. But, you know, again, so Finner and Trabzon. We had to play Gustebe, even Gustebe, which was like the easiest match that Ismail had to play. We played, you know, their season closer at home. So their fans were really loud, you know, despite with them going down, it was their chance to really show out. And we handled them despite being down two men for much of the game. So all in all, right? So he had a tough schedule, relatively speaking. He had a very poor roster to put out. Many of the guys had checked out, either literally, right, in, in the way of like Pjanic. Um, a number of guys out because of suspensions, sort of Rosier and Joseph de Souza and a number of guys. Lots of little injuries, Vida and Wellington. And uh, yeah, so a number of guys would be injured late in the year or checked out on their way out. Batshuayi, right, we knew he was going, so there was no desire really to see him play much. So what it meant is that he was playing young guys, like the few guys we know they're gonna be on the roster next year, seeing what he had with those guys. It was something of an experimental unit throughout these last few matches. And still, right, only one loss. Pretty solid all around, you know, playing with a new format, a new uh, formation and, and tactic, right? So all of those caveats, 
he only lost one match. Um, he, he showed us a new way of playing. He needs talent, right? He needs guys who show that discipline to play the three-man back line. He needs an actual wing back on the right side uh, if, for when Rosier can't play. Um, he needs, you know, a, a striker who's going to actually score. You know, I think we have a lot of guys now that can make offense in the way of Rashid Ghazal, Nkudu at times, right? Especially if he's healthy. Again, we're going to need fortification in that regard for when he's not. Uh, but Jedson is incoming. Emirhan showed, you know, like right when things were looking dire for us, and it was like we have no ability to create offense. Ismail inserted Emirhan Ilkhan into the starting rotation, and bam, like we immediately got some offensive outputting, created some chances. He attacked the sort of defense and the attack, attacking unit, right? He was, he's exactly what you wanted out of a midfielder, so um, lots to hang our hats on here. You know, another major point I think we have to consider is that Fenerbahce has um, supposedly brought in Jorge Jesus, right? So he's going to have to acclimate himself to Turkish football. Um, he's going to have to scramble and get his players in. I mean, he does have the full window to do so, supposedly, but um, he's not necessarily going to know what he needs relative to what the Turkish league is going to, you know, what kind of a fight it's going to put up to whatever he's going to try. Um, so, you know... That is going to be working against Ben Eric. Galatasaray is in the same situation. It looks like Torrent is on his way out. Uh, unless they bring Fatih Tedin back in, they're likely going to have a new coach who won't even have a full window because we don't even know what they're going to do yet. They're waiting for their election. And so what it means is they're probably going to have a new coach who is going to have to go through those growing pains and acclimate himself to Turkey and Turkish football and all that stuff as well. And so Ismail, these, these you know eight matches that he had with us, getting to know the few players that are going to be on the roster next season. These are all pretty, you know, checks in his column as far as benefits that he has going into the season, advantages he has over our rivals. Uh, hopefully those come through, and again, like I mentioned early on, it's all kind of come down to our board and their ability to get the talent that he needs to implement the system that I think, I mean, we're all, we're all, I mean, I probably most of my listeners and certainly I and, and most of my friends in our group chats and all that feel like playing three men back in a slightly more modern brand of football is a positive step. We want him to see that through and we want him to have success. I mean, that goes without saying, right? We always want Touch to have success. But so again, it's a question of can we get the right talent in to fill those holes? And we have a number of holes, right? I mentioned that and I'm not going to go back, but there's at least six players that need to come in that could potentially be starters. Two on the back line. One striker. One winger. Maybe, maybe that winger is not a starter. So, I mean, okay. Let's say three. We need three potential starters. And that could also extend to a left back. Or four. I don't know. But, I mean, certainly priority striker. Then central defender. Then backup striker. Then another central defender. Then, then we can start getting fancy. You know, we need backup wingers, one or two. We need, uh, you know, that's when we can start worrying about the depth chart. But yeah, those are emergencies. Hopefully, the board is on it and they're quick with it. And we have a whole summer to train. Right? Ismail has spoken to the fact he wants discipline, hard work, strong fitness. 
So he's gonna need as much time as he can to get that sort of new ethos built into the team. So anyway, signing out for the 2021-22 Super League season. CNN Schwarting here, we are done. Congratulations to all of us, right? We are done with this hellish season, finally. With that said, we also get to look forward to all of the fun things going on in the summer, transfers, and uh, hopefully they'll announce a friendly season schedule soon. Uh, all of the, the, the usual fun summer stuff. Um, obviously with transfers, we'll get people to come in and, and inform us about those transfers. Hopefully some very informed guests. Um, I'm hoping to do some fun season review episodes. Maybe have some guests come in. Hint, hint, hint. You know, stay tuned for that. Um, or, you know, leave messages, like extended ones, talking about their feelings and all that. We have, of course, hashtag AskAaron, hashtag Cotton's Corner and the like. But maybe, who knows, maybe we'll go beyond that. But so yeah, it should be a fun off-season. I will, of course, be back. You can expect that. Maybe a little break now that we uh, are finally done with this long, not-so-great season. But you can enjoy this episode for a while, review. You know, I did a little bit of season review here, just and, and a little preview for what we maybe need going into this summer, as well as some of the, the rumors already coming in. But so, anyway, that's it, folks. This season is done. In the books. Done and dusted. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. I, I, none of us will look particularly fondly back on this, unless perhaps it's the beginning of a fruitful Valerian Ismail era, and we can look at this as like the, the sort of epilogue, right? These last, these first eight matches of his tenure are last of the season, and maybe that'll be the, the fruits of something, you know, seeds planted for future success. We can all hope so. You know, knock on wood, as usual. You know, I like to be a little bit uh, superstitious. But anyway, that's it, folks. Stay tuned. As always, follow us on Twitter at Eagles underscore podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Black Eagles podcast, one word. Follow myself at Sir underscore rights underscore a lot. Um, go vote for your man of the match. It's on my uh, Twitter there. And of course, let's go, Besiktas! Peace out, everyone. Not a great season. Not Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.